0: So glad that you've joined us this morning for our Easter worship celebration. I wanted to let you know what's coming up next Sunday and in the weeks to follow. Uh, I'll be launching a brand new message series next week that I'm calling You Asked For It. Over the next few Sundays, we'll be tackling some of your most pressing questions about Christianity, about God, about our faith. Uh, Questions maybe like, what's the difference between Christianity and Mormonism? Uh, Questions like, how could a loving God allow this COVID-19 pandemic? Or how could a loving God say Jesus is the only way to heaven? These are just a few of the many questions that many Christians and non-Christians have about our faith. And so over the next few minutes, if you're watching on Facebook or on live.greaterimpact.cc, I encourage you to message us. Let us know some of your best questions that you'd like tackled over these next few Sundays. And we'll pick some of the favorites, some of the most popular questions, and I'll tackle them over these next few weeks. Hope that you'll join us in these upcoming Sundays for these very important and relevant messages. Now, let's shift to our sermon for today. It was uh, not that long ago, when you think about it, that I was a little tyke in my parents' home. I remember as a little boy, I really loved Easter. I liked going to church. Some years, I liked the outfit my mom bought me for Easter, but most of all, I looked forward to that Easter basket that I knew my mom would buy me each and every year. And there were certain things I could count on in that Easter basket. There was that fake uh, grass that was at the bottom, that plastic grass, sometimes green or yellow or pink. It was there at the bottom of my basket. And on top of that fake grass, uh, there would be all sorts of things. Uh, there would be a chocolate bunny. Now, some years, I would bite into that chocolate bunny and I'd think, oh man, I, I was gypped because it was hollow. I didn't want a hollow chocolate bunny. I wanted it solid. And I liked the solid because it had more chocolate. I could always count my mom putting some peeps in that Easter basket. You, you remember what peeps are? Those little marshmallow ducks or, or bunnies covered in this uh, fluorescent radioactive sugar. Uh, that stuff probably kill you, but she'd always put those peeps in my basket. And there were always some of these wonderful little plastic eggs. And inside these little eggs, there were all sorts of different things. Sometimes little chocolates or little jelly beans. Sometimes a, a few dollar bills would be in one of these plastic eggs but uh, there was always something good on the inside of those little eggs. Those little eggs remind me of a a story I heard a few years back uh, about a certain first grade teacher named Miss Stevens. And it was the week before Easter, and she handed out these little plastic eggs, uh, all sorts of different colors. She handed out one each to all the kids in her class. And, And here's what Miss Stevens said. She said, you know what? Easter is about life. So I want you, for your homework tonight, to place something inside the egg that represents life. Put something in that egg. And so she wanted her kids to put in something that was a sign of life. And so all the kids were excited. They went home with their little eggs, and they came back the next day, and they all stood in front of the classroom. And one by one, they opened up their little plastic egg and showed what was inside. And so one little boy opened up his little egg, And there was a blade of green grass inside the egg. And the teacher said, oh, that's a good job. That's that's a sign of life. And the next little girl opened up her egg, and inside uh, was a little bug. And then another girl opened up her egg, and inside was a flower. One by one, each of the kids opened up their little eggs. And then all of a sudden, Danny came up. And Danny opened his egg, and on the inside, it was empty. And all the kids started to laugh. And the teacher, Miss Stevens, she said, Did you not understand the assignment? Danny, didn't you understand what I told you to do? I told you to put in something in the egg that was a sign of life. And his answer to his teacher was remarkable. He said, Well, Miss Stevens, my egg is empty because Jesus' tomb was empty. Isn't that a sign of life? Wow. Wow. What a marvelous insight from a little first grade boy. The empty egg, yes it is, Danny, a sign of life. You see, it was on that Easter morning that that tomb was empty. And it was the greatest sign of life that our world has ever seen. The empty tomb is a sign of life. Over the next few minutes, we're going to open God's Word together. And we're going to take a look at the lives of two people who were transformed in their journeys to the empty tomb. When they experienced the risen Christ on Easter morning, their lives were transformed. And I want to suggest to you this morning that when you take a journey to the empty tomb and you experience the risen Christ, your life can be transformed as well. Please take out your Bibles and open with me to the book of John. John is the fourth book In our New Testaments, we're going to be in John chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Uh, We're going to look at the journeys to the tomb of these two uh, followers of Jesus Christ, Mary Magdalene and Simon Peter. I think you'll be blessed by today's message that I'm calling Journey to the Empty Tomb. Journey to the Empty Tomb. Have your Bibles handy. John chapter 20. Starting in verse 1, if you have a paper and pen handy, I also encourage you to take down some notes along the way uh, because there will be some questions at the end of the message to see if we were paying attention today. John 20, starting in verse 1, we read, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Hmm. May God bless us as we read and study his word this morning. All four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, They all record for us, they all mention women going to the tomb on that first Easter morning. And it's interesting that all of those gospel accounts have Mary Magdalene at the top of the list. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke mention several ladies' names who went to that tomb, but Mary Magdalene, her name's always first in the list. And then we get to John here, this passage we just read, and the only one of those women that John mentions is Mary Magdalene. He focuses exclusively on Mary Magdalene. We ask the question, why? Uh, What was it about Mary Magdalene that made her so special? Why was she at the top of the list of the ladies who went to that tomb on that first Easter morning? And I thought about it, and, you know, I realized... There's nothing really remarkable or miraculous about Mary Magdalene. In fact, those who knew her best over the years would probably say, if anything, uh, she is not as important as a lot of other people. Because Mary Magdalene, she had a past. She had a past. She was, in her earlier years, a pretty messed up woman. We're first introduced to Mary Magdalene in Luke chapter 8, verse 2 where we read these words, it says, The twelve disciples were with Jesus, and also some women, who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, including Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons have come out. From whom seven demons have come out. And so there's been a lot of speculation over the, the centuries, particularly in the Catholic Church, there's been a lot of speculation about what kind of woman Mary Magdalene had been. Uh, There's been speculation that she was a prostitute, that she was a harlot. But there's nothing in the Bible that says that she was sexually perverse, that she had loose morals. All we're told is that she was possessed by these seven demons. So in all likelihood, those people who knew Mary Magdalene best, before she encountered Jesus, those that knew her best, in all likelihood, they wouldn't have called her a floozy. Uh, They would have said something like, this lady's nuts. Uh, she's she's lost it. She she is stark raving mad. Uh, She's not rowing with both oars in the water. Uh, This lady, she's missing something upstairs because those demons were oppressing her and possessing her. It didn't necessarily mean that she had loose morals, but it does mean that she was mentally and spiritually agonized. And so from that point forward, after she met Jesus, her life was transformed. Jesus came into her town and saw that she was possessed by those seven demons. And according to what we just read here in Luke, those demons are driven out. And as far as we can tell, from that point forward, she was hot on Jesus' heels, following him wherever he went. Whether he was in, in a boat going across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, she would want to go with him. If Jesus was popular, she was there. If Jesus was unpopular, she was there. And so she was remarkably one of the few followers of Jesus who stuck by his side on Good Friday. When all of the apostles took off except for John, she was there at the foot of the cross. And she was there when all Jesus' followers for the most part had already left. She was true to Jesus No matter what he was going through, regardless of whether he was popular, whether he was loved or whether he was hated. And so interestingly, she leads the pack on that first Easter morning to go to the tomb with the other ladies to celebrate uh, the risen Christ. But at the time she went, of course, she didn't know he was risen. She was going with those other ladies with the spicy spices to, to anoint Jesus' dead body so it would ho- hopefully reduce some of the odors. So there they go at sunrise on that first Easter morning, hoping that they'd be able to find some men to roll that stone back so they could go in the tomb and anoint Jesus' body with these spices. And so here Mary was leading the pack on this Easter morning. This woman who had likely been tormented by demons for years, but had been set free from those demons by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Uh, She was forever grateful to Him. She had been forgiven much, and so she loved much. And this transformed woman became even more transformed when she experienced the risen Christ there on that first Easter morning. Jesus reveals himself first to Mary Magdalene. Of all of his followers, Mary Magdalene was the first to be blessed to see with her own eyes the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus revealed Himself to her there in the garden outside the tomb, she was so stoked, she was so floored, she was so excited that she bolted and ran back to where the disciples were and she told them this. She said, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. She was so, so excited. Now, those disciples didn't believe her, did they? They thought she had probably gone loopy again. Uh, Mary there, she goes again. She's lost it thinks that she's seen Jesus. Yeah, can you believe it? No, they didn't believe it. They would have to see with their own eyes before they would believe. But she said, I have seen the Lord. This oppressed woman had been transformed by Jesus Christ, and she was more in her right mind than ever before. Jesus had set her free. Honestly, many of us need to be set free today in much the same way that Mary Magdalene was set free. You see, some of us have held on to our past. Uh, some of us look back and uh, we have to admit, you know what, like Mary Magdalene, we were kind of nuts. Uh, we were kind of out of our minds back in our earlier years. Uh, we weren't rowing with both oars in the water. We were a few tacos shy of a combo plate. We look back at the way we used to live and some of us honestly admit, you know, we were nuts. We were crazy some of the stuff we said and did. And like Mary Magdalene, we need to be set free. For some of us, it's especially troubling realizing that when we were doing these stupid things we used to do, our family and friends had a front row seat to see and hear exactly what we were saying and doing. Some of our friends and family had a front row seat. They saw it all, they heard it all, and sometimes we feel like crawling into a hole somewhere and just hiding from the rest of the world because we're so ashamed of what we had done. We know that we've deeply hurt the people that meant the most to us. We've burned so many bridges. And even though we've made some big changes in our lives, we can't repair the damage we've done. We're still haunted by the demons of our past. Much in the same way that Mary may have been. Haunted by those demons of our past. Well, I have some good news for you this Easter. Sunday, on a day like this, Easter Sunday, just as surely as Jesus drove the demons of Mary's past out of her, He can drive the demons of your past out of you if you'll let Him. Did you catch that? Just as surely as Jesus drove the demons of Mary's past out of her, He can drive the demons of your past out of you if you'll let Him. If you'll let Him. There were likely times when Mary Magdalene thought about the woman she used to be and she felt like crawling into a hole somewhere, but Jesus Christ had set her free. So she boldly stood at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. She boldly led the ladies to Jesus' tomb on Resurrection Sunday. And after seeing Jesus with her own two eyes, she boldly went and told the disciples, I have seen the risen Lord. So if you feel like a prisoner of your past, Jesus holds the key to your prison cell. Only Jesus Christ can set you free. Just like he set Mary Magdalene free. Well, John tells us in verse 6 of chapter 20 that Simon Peter was the first of the twelve apostles to enter the empty tomb. So let's talk about Peter for a few moments. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, it says that Peter was the first apostle to see Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. We know that later in the evening on that first Easter Sunday, Jesus revealed Himself to ten of His twelve apostles in a room together. But evidently, sometime between when Mary Magdalene saw Jesus for the first time and Jesus revealed Himself to those ten apostles together in that room, sometime in between that, Jesus revealed Himself just to Peter. Peter was the first to get to see Jesus of those 12 apostles. And that's kind of a remarkable thing. Because Peter had let the Lord down. Just a few days earlier, Peter had dropped the ball. Remember that Peter had been the lead apostle. The lead disciple. It was Peter who stood up and spoke first. When Jesus had asked them a year or so earlier, Who do the people say that I am? And more specifically, apostles, who do you say that I am? And Peter stepped forward and said, You are the Christ, the Son of God. He was the first to give that good confession and speak up the truth about Jesus Christ. Peter was one of the three chosen apostles along with uh James and John who got to see Jesus glorified on that Mount of Transfiguration. Only three of the apostles were able to witness that and Peter was one of them. Peter was the one at the Last Supper who said what every other apostle in the room was thinking. Jesus, what are you doing down on your hands and knees trying to wash our feet? No, you're not going to wash my feet. All the other apostles were thinking it, but Peter spoke up. He was the leader among those 12 apostles. But when it came down to it, Peter had dropped the ball, didn't he? On the night that Jesus was arrested and ended up going to the cross the next day, Peter had boldly said, Jesus, I will never turn my back on you. Even if all of these other guys deny you, even if all these guys turn their backs on you, I never will. But what happened just a few hours earlier? There Simon Peter was, out in the courtyard of the high priest, warming himself by the fire, And three different times he denied even knowing Jesus. Even at one point called curses down on himself, saying, I do not know Jesus. And think about this. The first time that he denied Jesus, the first of those three denials, was to a little girl. A little servant girl comes out and says, weren't you with Jesus? And he denies even knowing him. there on the night Jesus was arrested, when Jesus needed Peter more than at any other time, Peter was scared of a little girl. He was scared, he was frightened, he was in fear. And so there Peter was, seeing Jesus on Resurrection Sunday, knowing that he had failed Jesus so badly. There on that first Easter Sunday, Peter was still struggling with guilt and shame and fear. He was disgusted with himself. He must have wondered if Jesus could ever forgive him. Yes, Peter was deeply in need of transformation. But that transformation didn't come for a few weeks. In the next chapter, John chapter 21, we read that Peter and some of the other apostles were back in Galilee and Peter got back to doing what he had done before he ever met Jesus. He decided to go fishing. And so one evening, Peter and some of the other apostles, they didn't have anything better to do, so they jumped in the fishing boat, they went out on the Lake of Galilee, and uh, there uh, out on the lake, on the Sea of Galilee, uh, they were fishing all night long. They threw their nets over the side of the boat, and they tried the other side of the boat back and forth, back and forth. They threw out their nets, and you know what? After a whole night of fishing, they hadn't caught a single fish. And so there it is. The sun's coming up the next morning. These guys are dog-tired. They have nothing to show for all their work. They had hardly gotten a wink of sleep. And all of a sudden, there's a stranger on the shore that calls out to them. He says, hey, throw your nets on the opposite side of the boat. They didn't recognize that it was Jesus standing on that shore. And so they decide they'll humor the stranger on the shoreline. They go ahead and do what the guy says. They throw their nets on the other side of the boat. And you remember what happens. The water starts to rumble. And the nets start to get pulled on. And with all their might, they're trying to pull these nets in so they don't lose the fish that obviously were caught in those nets and they haul it into shore 153 large fish, probably a full ton of fish that they had miraculously caught on Jesus' command. And so as soon as Peter saw that the fish had filled the net when there hadn't been a single fish all night, as soon as he realized the miracle, he jumps into the water and swims to shore to see Jesus. Jesus cooks up some of the fish. All the apostles sit down. They have a meal. And in John chapter 21, starting in verse 15, Jesus has a heart-to-heart with his apostle Peter. Peter didn't know if Jesus could ever forgive him. And Jesus removes all doubt in this little heart-to-heart with Peter, starting in verse 15. We read, When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. had given Peter an opportunity to affirm his commitment to Jesus. Three different times Peter had denied Jesus just a few days earlier. A few weeks earlier. And three different times Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to affirm his commitment to the Lord. Three times denied. Three times forgiven. Three times denied. Three times forgiven. He gave Peter Peter, another chance. And he reaffirmed, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to take care of my lambs. Peter, I want you to continue to lead. I want you to continue to serve. I want you to continue to do what I called you to do three years ago. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. It's as far as the east is from the west. I'm giving you a new start, a fresh start. And Peter, you're going to follow me more faithfully than you ever did before. Well, we know, according to church tradition, that 34 years later, 34 years after Peter had this conversation on the shore of the Sea of Galilee with Jesus, 34 years after Jesus had given him these three opportunities to affirm his love and commitment to Christ, in in AD 64, Peter laid down his life for Christ. For 34 years after the resurrection, Peter served our Lord faithfully. And he boldly and courageously shared the good news of Christ. And according to church tradition, there in in AD 64, 34 years after Jesus' resurrection, Peter was led into a Roman Colosseum and was crucified as a martyr for Jesus Christ. But we believe that before he was crucified... According to what we've been told and handed down to us over the centuries, we believe that before he was crucified, Peter had one final request. He said, could you crucify me upside down? And Peter did this because he believed that he who had denied his Savior three times was not worthy to be crucified in the same manner that Jesus had been crucified. Peter, there in a Roman Colosseum, crucified upside down, Boldly and courageously standing for Jesus Christ. It had been 34 years earlier that he chickened out when a little girl asked him if he really believed and followed Jesus. But he had learned that Jesus Christ was worth standing up for. And when he had experienced the empty tomb and had experienced the risen Savior, his life was transformed. And Peter was never the same again. Well, like Peter... Many of us need to be transformed from our guilt and our shame and our fear. In the past, we have made bold claims about following Jesus and, and we have uh, not stuck by His side no matter what came our way. But when the tough times came, for many of us, we, we didn't stick by Jesus' side. We weren't faithful. Like Peter, we chickened out when the tough times came. It's easy to follow Jesus Christ, as we saw last week. It's easy to follow Him on Palm Sunday when everybody loves Him. It's harder to follow Jesus when the times get hard. And so, like Peter, so often we chicken out. But the truth is, during this pandemic, many of us, even though we're scared, are being given a golden opportunity to hold tight to our faith and take a stand For Jesus Christ. No matter how how hard it gets. No matter how difficult this stay at home order uh, is for any of us. We have this golden opportunity to take a stand for Jesus Christ. And to boldly confess him and follow him as Savior and Lord. Many of us are scared. Many of us are dealing with fear. But just as surely as Jesus loved Peter and transformed Peter from a chicken to a courageous world changer, God loves you and can transform you into a courageous world changer as well. Jesus can transform you, just like he transformed Peter. I love what uh, the Apostle John writes in 1 John 4, verses 16-18. through He says, God is love, and there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Do you believe those words? Do you believe that God is love? Do you believe that God's love can drive out all fear? Do you believe there's no fear in God's love? It's true. Those words are true. God is love. He does drive out fear. So for 34 years, Simon Peter boldly proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ, even when it cost him his life. He had taken hold of Jesus' perfect love and there is no fear in Jesus Christ's love. I like how Paul puts it in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Paul writes, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Resurrection Sunday is the perfect day to come to Jesus in much the same way that Simon Peter came to Jesus and say something like this, Yes, Lord, You know that I love You. Yes, Lord, You know that I failed You. You know that I chickened out. You know that I've been gripped with this fear and this anxiety, and when the tough times come, I didn't stick by Your side. You know everything about me, O Lord. But would You forgive me? Would You give me courage? Would You help me to be strong and courageous and bold for You? Would You drive out that fear from my life in a way that only You can? Oh, you better believe God loves to answer those kinds of, fe- those kinds of prayers. He loves to drive out fear and shame and guilt from those of us who will offer up those things to Him and ask Him to drive them away. So there you have it. Two very different people who were radically transformed by the empty tomb on Easter morning. Two very different people whose lives were transformed by the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. If someone had given Mary Magdalene and Simon Peter a a tomb full of money on that first Easter, maybe that money would have helped make their lives a little bit easier. But that money never could have transformed their lives in a way in the way that the empty tomb transformed their lives. And the same goes for you and me. Think about this. If someone were to write you a check for $10 million, for some of you, that would make your life a lot easier, right? You'd be able to pay all your bills, pay off your mortgage, uh, get rid of that car loan, uh, maybe uh, put a lot of money in the bank for a rainy day. For many of us, a check for $10 million would make our lives a lot easier. But I'm telling you, a check for $10 million would not transform your life. And it certainly wouldn't transform your life in the way that that empty tomb and a risen Savior can transform your life. You see, $10 million can never deal with those bridges that you've burnt. It can't do it. They can't repair burnt bridges. Only Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, can help you repair burnt bridges. You see, uh, that $10 million can never deal with your guilt and your shame and your fear. Only Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, can help you deal with that guilt and that shame and that fear. Only Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, can help you to bring peace to your marriage to bring peace to your relationships that have become estranged. Only Jesus Christ can do that. He can do what all the money in the world could never do. The empty tomb and the risen Savior are absolutely transformational. Money can't set you free from your guilt and shame and fear. Only the risen Savior can set you free. I I was thinking this last week about John chapter 8, verse 36 that says, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Think about that. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So, journey to the tomb today. Come to Jesus take hold of his forgiveness, take hold of his healing, take hold of his peace, because the tomb is empty, Jesus is alive, and he can set you free from the demons of your past. He can set you free from your guilt and your shame. He can set you free from your fear of rejection and the fear of Failure and the fear of COVID 19 and the fear of death. He can set you free from all of that. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen? Amen. Now, five quick questions. Five quick questions to see if you are soaking into your mind and heart God's Word today. Five questions. Number one Who was the first person to see Jesus after his resurrection? Who was the first person to see Jesus after his resurrection? Question number two. What had Jesus done for Mary Magdalene that had meant so much to her? What had Jesus done for Mary that had meant so much to her? Question number three. What had Peter done that left him with guilt and shame and fear? On that first Easter Sunday, why was Peter carrying guilt and shame and fear? What was it he had done? Question number four. Why did Jesus ask Peter three times, Do you love me? Why did he ask Peter that three times? And then finally, question number five. This is a fill in the blank. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, God did not give us a spirit of what? But a spirit of power, of love, of self-discipline. God didn't give us a spirit of what? So how did you do on those five questions? Let's see how you did. Question number one, who was the first person to see Jesus after his resurrection? And the answer is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, the first person to see Jesus. Question number two, what had Jesus done for Mary Magdalene that had meant so much to her? Remember that he had driven out of her seven demons. He had driven seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. Question number three, What had Peter done that left him with guilt and shame and fear? Remember that he had denied Jesus three times after Jesus was arrested. He denied Jesus three times, leaving him with guilt and shame and fear. Question number four. Why did Jesus ask Peter three times, do you love me? Well, the quick answer to that question is three times denied, three times forgiven. He denied Jesus three times, so Jesus gave him three opportunities to be forgiven. And so, a little bit longer answer. It would also be acceptable if you said three times Jesus asked him that question so that Peter three times could affirm his love and commitment to Jesus Christ. And then finally, fill in the blank. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear. Say that with me again. God did not give us a spirit of fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to lead you in a word of prayer. And uh, I know that some of you that are joining us for this online worship service today are dealing with some things. Maybe you're dealing with some of the very things we've just talked about that uh, Mary Magdalene and that Simon Peter dealt with. Maybe you're dealing with with those skeletons in your closet. Maybe you're dealing with those demons of your past. Uh, Maybe you're dealing with rejection from family members and friends that that know all the crud that's in your past, the stuff you used to say and do that was just idiotic. Uh, Maybe you're like Peter, dealing with that shame and that guilt and that fear. I want to pray with you right now. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I come to you in Jesus' name asking that you would be with each and every person that is tuning in for this broadcast service today. Lord Jesus, I pray for those who look back and are, Lord, just so ashamed of the life they used to live. The things they said, the things they they did, Lord, the, the bridges that they burnt. And Lord, I just pray that you would set them free today. That you would come to, that they would come to you humbly, Lord, like Mary Magdalene came to you humbly and said, Lord, I I give you uh, the demons of my past. Take them from me. Lord, I give you my burnt bridges. I give you my broken relationships. Lord, would you take them and bring healing where healing is needed? Would you bring peace where peace is needed? Lord, some that are uh, tuning into this broadcast today, Lord, are dealing with discouragement. Some are dealing with anxiety. Some are dealing, uh, Lord, with, uh, with depression. And I just pray, oh God, that you would set them free from those things in a way that only you can. I pray that they would come to that empty tomb and that they would come to the risen Savior and take hold of that healing that only you can bring. Lord, others, Lord, that are listening right now to my words in this prayer, others are dealing with guilt and shame and fear. Lord, there's a lot of fear in our nation right now. Lord, I pray that we would come to You and lean on You. Set us free from our fear. Lord, I pray that You would drive that out of us. You say so clearly in Your Word that the Son who He sets free will be free indeed. You make it so clear, Lord, that there is no fear in love, but Your perfect love will drive out fear. Lord, you make it clear that if we are followers of you, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Lord, drive out our fear, I pray. And I pray, O God, that you would be with those that are struggling with health issues, with cancer. Lord, deal with those and bring healing to those, Lord, that are dealing with other illnesses, pneumonia. And Lord, certainly be with those dealing with COVID-19 right now. Bring healing, O oh God. Bless the doctors. Bless the nurses. Uh, bless the, uh, the researchers, Lord, and the virologists that are studying uh, this virus, Lord. Help them to have the wisdom to know how to find a cure and find the best treatments, O oh God. We pray for your healing in Jesus' mighty name. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are still closed, I want to speak to those of you who have never made a decision to accept Jesus Christ. As Lord and Savior, if you have never made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, I want to share with you quickly the ABCs of putting Jesus Christ in the driver's seat of your life. Jesus doesn't make you jump through a hundred hoops; it's very simple. A. Admit that you are a sinner. Admit that you are a sinner. B. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and that He can wash your sins away and give you a brand new start. And C. Choose to follow Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. Choose to follow Him and obey Him as your Savior and your Lord. And those first two parts of obedience as we choose to follow Him, He says, number one, you have to repent from your sin. Make a spiritual U-turn, putting Him in the driver's seat of your life and choosing to follow Him and obey Him from this point forward. And secondly, He says, be baptized. Go into that water and as you go under the water... It represents that your old life is buried and as you come up out of the water, it represents that you have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. If you want to make that decision today to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and put Him in the driver's seat of your life, join me in this word of prayer. I encourage you just to repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I come to You in Jesus' name. And I want to admit that I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your standards for me. I have disobeyed your word. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you died for me so that I could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, today I choose to follow you. I choose to turn away from my old life, to turn away from the the guilt and the shame and the fear And the sin and put you in the driver's seat of my life. I choose to follow and obey you from this point forward. I turn from my sin. And Lord, I commit right now that I'll be baptized as soon as I can. To make it clear to you and the angels and anyone who's watching. I am serious about this decision. My old life is buried. And my new life is risen. I am following Jesus Christ. From this point forward, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, if you have made that decision to accept Jesus Christ, admitting that you're a sinner, believing in Him and choosing to follow Him as your Savior and Lord, if you've made that decision, please, we want to know about that. You can reach out to one of our prayer counselors, their name and numbers at the bottom of the screen. Call or text them right now. If you're on Facebook or live.greaterimpact.cc, please message us right now. Let us know that you have made that decision. We want to reach out to you and let you know how even today we'll help you with that baptism if you're ready to truly follow Christ and you're ready to be baptized. If you have made that decision for Christ, let me be the first to say congratulations. We're so excited for you and we want to come alongside you in your journey. Please, Reach out to us today and we want to pray with you and help you with your next steps. God bless you. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We serve a risen Savior. Keep going to that empty tomb. Keep going to that risen Savior and He will see you through. God bless you as you serve Him now and from every day forward. We love you, church. We'll see you next Sunday.